Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 25. Uh, we're in a series on Isaiah, and we're sort of hitting major themes and high points in the book. If you had to put into a song your outlook on life, uh, your basic daily attitude, what tone would that song take? Would it take a melancholy tone? Would it take a, a joyous tone? Anger? What difference uh, would Christ make in that tone? The fact that he's in your life if you're a Christian? Well, in Isaiah's imagery in this 25th chapter, uh, you've got pilgrims, believers, on their way to Zion. And they move through a ruined world. And their song dwells on the marvel of their rescue and the overthrow of their enemies and God's enemies. In the hymn, uh, Jesus, I Come, one of the verses said, says, Out of the depths of ruin untold, into the peace of thy sheltering fold, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come. That's, that's sort of the note that's being struck here. First, uh, Isaiah speaks of the city that shall be destroyed. In verse 1, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things. Here is exalting God, the exaltation of God. And uh, the explanation of this, you have done wonderful things. Uh, God's faithfulness to his word. He's fulfilled his plan foretold from of old. In verse 1 there, for in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. Well, he's been faithful to his word. He has destroyed a city. Verse 2, you have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Uh, one of the wonderful things that God had foretold and that now he's done is to destroy a city. What city is he speaking of? The world. That city that's structured uh, without God, uh, where people live for things other than God. They worship things other than God. Uh, they are their own masters. And God destroys that city. He had promised that he would. Another term for that in Scripture is Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. And uh, this is the world. Jesus said, if the world uh, hates you, don't be surprised. It hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Uh, it's that... Uh, Basic uh, living for self that so characterizes the human race. And, of course, it takes extreme forms in 
all the brutalism that you see in our society and around the world today. Uh, well, look back at chapter 24 and verse 3. It says, The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. Verse 5, The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Verse 20, The earth reels like a drunkard. It sways like a hut in the wind. So heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. That's the city that he's speaking of here. Now, you have uh, the God's conversion of the heathen also as part of this exaltation of the Lord in chapter 25 and verse 3. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. Uh, when all you trust in and all you live for is destroyed, sometimes men turn to God. Some of you did that. Uh, when everything we were living for came apart, suddenly you realized you must have God. It's folly to try to live life without a true relationship with the living God. But you didn't come to that until you were humbled Many of us did, until our world fell apart. It had been structured basically without him. Maybe it was sickness, maybe it was a family problem, uh, maybe it was uh, a loss of a job, whatever it might be. Uh, God is able to bring us to our knees, change a powerful and proud people into those that honor and fear him. Praise the Lord. God's protection of his own people in the midst of this world. In verse 4, you have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. God protects his own. Doesn't mean that we may not get hurt, humanly speaking, but we don't really get hurt. He uses those things to mold our character. Now, Having spoken of the city that should be destroyed, Isaiah now speaks of the feast that shall be prepared. In verse 6, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. Here's this feast. Who prepares it? The Lord Almighty. Where is it? On this mountain. What mountain is he speaking of? Look back at chapter 24, verse 23. The moon will be abashed, the sun ashamed, for the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion. And in Jerusalem, that's the mountain. Jerusalem was built on Mount Zion. And this comes to be a symbol for the true people of God, the true church. In the true church, where God dwells with his people, where the gospels preach, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's where uh, this feast is prepared here. Now, uh, you read over in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, where it says, You're not come to the mountain that 
burned with fire. Speaking of Mount Sinai, if you're a Christian, you haven't come to that mountain, although you went by it. <laughs> it, it got your attention. But you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Who are those? People in heaven. We're part of the heavenly Jerusalem. That We dwell in Jerusalem, that city that has its headquarters in heaven. Who is the mother of us all? To the church of the firstborn. That's Mount Zion. Now, it's here that God prepares a feast. Remember Jesus' parable where he says a certain king made a, a supper for his son who was to get married. And he sent his servants out into the highways and byways that compel people to come in. We have a feast. Oh, uh, he says he's prepared, prepared rich food, a feast of rich food for all people. Notice the people invited, all people. Everyone in the world is invited to this feast. Rich food. He says the best of meats and the finest of wines. Well, what, what are these, what's this food? What are these blessings that God invites us to feast on? First one mentioned, the shroud that shall be removed. In verse 7, On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. What is the shroud that covers the world? Shroud speaks of mourning over death. And everywhere you look, death. Some of you are dying. All of us are dying. Some of you are dying more rapidly. Death is everywhere. But God will remove that shroud. That's part of the feast. In uh, verse 8, He will swallow up death forever. My goodness, what a rich feast. Um, how will He remove the shroud? Hebrews 2, 14, 15. talks about Christ took part of flesh and blood. God the Son became man. Because we were flesh and blood. In order that by death, on our behalf, in order that by death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. John Owen, great Puritan, wrote a book, The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. Amen. Now, uh, there are stages to the destruction of death. When you become a Christian, you passed from death to life. You were dead. John 5, 24, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, is passed from death unto life. You were a walking dead man prior to becoming a Christian. Physically alive, spiritually dead. But when you became a Christian, you know, he said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Through faith we come. We pass from death to life. Uh, we believe the claim of Jesus to be God the Son who became man. 
We believe His claim to be dying an atoning death for our sin, taking the guilt, our guilt, upon Himself. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we trust him as our approach to God. My only hope of being accepted by God is Jesus Christ paid for my sin, in full. And we surrender to him as our master. I no longer live the way I want to live. I live the way he would have me live. I try to do that. That's my goal in life. I have a master. If you don't have a master, if Jesus Christ is not your master, you have another master, incidentally. You transfer kingdoms when you become a Christian. You come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. You're in the kingdom when you're in the king's domain, when he's king of you. Is he your king? If he's your king, it shows up in the way you live. It, it has to do with your choices. Uh, he changes your life. You don't become perfect, but you become different. You're not like the world. You're no longer conformed to this world. Now, uh, physical death, that was spiritual death. Physical death has been robbed of its sting. Once I've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, I don't need to fear physical death. A true story of a, a little seven-year-old boy who had, he was allergic to bee stings. He'd almost died several times. And on one occasion, he and his father were driving along in the car, and a bee was loose in the car. And the boy just went crazy, screaming and crying, flying all over the car. And his father reached up and grabbed the bee and held him. And the boy said, oh, he just, and then the dad let him go. Daddy, why did you let him go? Son, look, he buried his sting in my hand. He can't hurt you now. That's what Jesus did. Jesus let death bury its sting in him. Remember the verse in Zechariah 13:7, where God says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow. Who's that? Jesus. God took that sword of his justice that should have been plunged into my heart and plunged it into the heart of his son. And now death's been robbed of its sting for all who believe in Jesus Christ, all who surrender to him in true repentance. And so I don't need to fear death. Paul says, to me, to live is Christ. He's living in me. He's my source. I'm living for him. And to die is gain. Gain. It's graduation day. Death has been robbed of its sting. And one day even our bodies will be raised. When Christ returns, remember Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, We shall not all sleep, meaning die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of night, the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. We which are alive and remain, he says, we will be changed. And, and he says, when that, this mortal must put on immortality. And he says, when that comes to pass, then shall be brought to sing that is brought to pass the saying is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Uh, man, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Lives again our glorious King. Where, O death, 
is now thy sting. Dying once, he all doth save. Where thy victory, O grave. Love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Amen. That's part of that banquet that he's prepared for us. Rich feast. And part of the banquet is comforting us in our pain and sorrow. In verse 8, He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. I have a, I have grandchildren. Have I ever told you about my grandchildren? No, I have grandchildren. And, and uh, you know, one of them will get hurt. He bumps into something and he'll start crying. And you pick him up and you comfort him and, and uh, you dry his tears. God does that as part of that feast. God Almighty will pick you up and He'll dry your tears and He will comfort you. Oh, what a feast. Oh, the enemies that will be defeated in uh, verse 9. It says, uh, In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in Him and He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. When this salvation is consummated, and we'll say to one another, He was faithful. We trusted in Him. And He was faithful. He he destroyed His enemies and our enemies. And we'll encourage one another to rejoice in Him. Across Jordan there was another enemy. Verse 10 The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, but Moab will be trampled under him as straw is trampled down. Their enemies would be destroyed, and Moab was just sort of a symbol of the enemies of the people of God. Uh, He'll overcome all of his and our enemies. What a rich, rich feast. Now, a song that shall be sung in verse 1 of chapter 26. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation, its walls and ramparts. Uh, These people that are on their way to the celestial city, you and me, you're a Christian. On our way, you and I, well... Isaiah wrote a song for us to sing, 700 B.C., sing it every day. We sing about our possession. We have a strong city. What is that city? Zion. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken, form thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages Founded, what can shake our sure repose? With salvation's wall surrounded, we may smile at all our foes. We sing that song every day. The people who sing it, verse 2, it says, Open the gates. They sing as if these pilgrims are coming along through this ruined world. They sing, Open the gates! 
that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. These are people who believe in Jesus Christ, and it's changed their lives. And they live differently. Now, the righteous nation shall enter. Not self-righteousness. Christ is their righteousness, but changing their lives. They experience peace. They sing of their peace. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, who stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And then they have a proclamation. All these people journeying up, they shout to others. Here's what they proclaim. They say, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. That's evangelism, as they call on others. Trust in the Lord. Come to the feast. E.E. We we want you to be able to invite others effectively to the feast. That's why we have E.E. training. Are you able to do that? Are you able to sit down with somebody and walk them through the gospel? Jim Kennedy and I were in seminary together. Jim graduated and went to Florida. I graduated, came here. He had a church of 40, brand new church. End of the year, he had 17. Then a friend of his, mine, Kennedy Smart, asked him to come to Atlanta and hold a revival in his church up there. said, I felt a little hypocritical. I killed my church, now I'm going to go revive his. But he goes up there and Kennedy Smart says, Now, Jim, the key isn't you. Preaching every night, that's, we're going to do that. But the key is we've got relationships we've built with people. Now we're going to reap. You and I are going to go share the gospel one-on-one. Last thing in the world he felt equipped to do. But he learned to do it as he watched Kennedy Smart do it. And he developed this excellent program. It's used in virtually every country in the world today. EE, Evangelism Exposure. Take advantage of that. Come Thursday night. See what it's all about. Just call and sign up to come and... Uh, and uh, then you'll be able to give the invitation. Come to the feast. Come on. Come to the feast. You won't believe the food that's provided. You can effectively do that. Another way is the Jesus video. Jesus video, one of the greatest evangelistic, if not the greatest evangelistic tool in history. How many of you have seen the Jesus video? Maybe most of you. Most of you have seen okay. Tremendous tool. Used around the world, close to a billion people, close to a billion people in the world have seen that video. And uh, uh, something like 42 million people have professed decisions uh, from seeing it. 732 million have seen it, 42 million have recorded decisions for Christ. Now, it's going across America where... Uh, there's a project to distribute it house to house where you go to the people on your street and say, hey, I'd like to sh- give you this video if you if you take it and listen and, and watch it and then just keep it. But I want to come back by and take a little survey of how you liked it and whether uh, what you thought of it. So you go back by a couple of weeks later and <clears throat> take that survey and and then if they've made a commitment to Christ, you invite them to come to church, invite them to a neighborhood study. And uh, uh, great too. It's been done in about 60 cities across the country now, across the United States, with uh, distributed to about a million and a half homes, the video has, like that. And we're going to do it here in Birmingham around April. Some 200 churches in the city are going to join hands. And we want to be very much involved. I want you to take your street or your... Uh, your uh, apartment or whatever apartment complex and 
And uh, let's do this. This is a great tool. And uh, you'll get a letter about it this week, and you'll get some information. We'll show a clip of the video next week a little bit about it and uh, give you some information. But want to be praying about it and sign up for that. You may have never seen the video. You may want to get one to give someone right now. They're back by the bookstore or they're over this way by the lobby over there when we break up. Well, man, what a feast. That's the heritage of the saints of the Lord, to eat at this feast and to invite others and to sing this song as we make our way through a ruined world to heaven. Now, it's, going to, it's still pain to be involved because... Uh, the final day hadn't come yet. And so he's, he tells us, it, it, you, you still got a little bit to go through. In chapter 26, verse 20, uh, he says, Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. Well, we're involved in that and It'll be an ultimate day of punishment. But in the meanwhile, we're on our way. And we can sing that song. And we can just throw our shoulders back and we can say, we have a strong city, Zion, city of our God. Now we can say, come to the feast. It's wonderful. Don't need to fear death. Got someone who dries my tears. Sure, I have tears. I have pain. But I got someone who dries them, who comforts me. Come to the feast. Could be that you're here and you're, you haven't been to that feast. You're eating husks. Your life's not very satisfying. Kind of empty. You're sort of like the prodigal son who rebelled and went out to live his own life his own way and wound up feeding pigs and eating what the pigs were eating. And one day he's got to thinking, this is dumb. In my father's house, there's plenty of food. I'm going to go to him and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he goes back humbly, submissive. And he tries to make that speech, and his father embraces him, and his father says, Kill the fatted calf. This my son who is a, dead is alive and who is lost is found. You go. Come to the feast. You'll find Jesus there, God there, open arms. Let's have prayer. As our hearts are bowed, uh, have you partaken of the feast have you experienced the reality of Christ in your life, the change that He makes, passing from spiritual death to spiritual life? It's a great change coming to your life. Are you enjoying the feast, understanding all that's provided, feeding on it? Are you inviting others? Are you equipped to invite others? If you're here and you've never come to the feast, but you want to, pray in your heart like this. Lord, I want to come to the feast. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the cost to you of providing it free for me. And Lord, I do trust you as my Savior. And I do surrender to you as my Master. Amen.